Welcome to Vaginance. We're very excited to have our guest Phil on with us tonight. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. We're talking a lot about sexuality and fluidity in the gray areas of life. And Phil is laying quite a bit of wisdom on us, and we very much appreciate her time. Today, I am Becca. <laughs> and tomorrow? Tomorrow? Who knows? It's all fluid, guys. something we're doing now <laughs> no it's like it's like today I'm service. Taylor. Like, if you need anything i'm Phil. tomorrow i'm jules <laughs> i think i was trying to say yesterday like <laughs> today we have phil along with but then i realized <laughs> we already did that <laughs> so i said today i'm back <laughs> no i think that was perfect <laughs> today i'm maggie <laughs> today i'm jules Today, I'm Taylor. In an unknown timeline, I'm Phil. <laughs> God damn it, guys. That In was another good. universe. <laughs> on another timeline. You got my girlfriend snorting. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, boy. <clears throat> okay, <laughs> welcome, Phil. <laughs> yes, welcome to our second Thank and you. also favorite guest. Yes, our equally favorite guest, yes. I would say. I'm okay being I'm number two. I'm partial a little bit more to Phil. Yeah, that's fair. Personally, <laughs> that's a good answer. So, I'm very glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, well, thanks for being here, Phil. This is awesome. Phil, my lovely girlfriend is here to talk to us today about um, we're having another sex episode. Oh, yeah. And this one is about sexuality and all of the different ways people can identify or not identify, what that means, how we came to these conclusions, how they might have evolved or still be evolving, etc. And yeah, my lovely girlfriend is here to be a part of this discussion. Yeah, I'd say I'm by no means an expert, but I think I provide a perspective that isn't um, commonplace in the sexual orientation world. So uh, yeah, I was very flattered to, uh, to be able to talk about that and um, make a recommendation for some reading material that is basically a children's book about sexuality and gender, um, but is very informative that I think. I don't know. Y'all tell me. Yeah. Tell us about the literature that you assigned us. Uh, So it is called A Quick and Easy Guide to Queer and Trans Identities by Maddie G. and J.R. Zuckerberg. Uh, Basically, it's a comic book of snails, and (laughs) these snails out in a forest um, come across a group of very queer, eclectic people. Um, One of them happens to have a pet snail who escapes out of his cage and is like the mentor, like super queer, friendly snail. Like, let me tell you what queerness is all about um and yeah it takes you on this journey of just uh understanding a lot of different terms and you know what they mean and uh especially stating the fact that a lot of things are fluid and constantly changing and just kind of providing a gateway into the realm of understanding queerness and some of those pockets 
but the reason that I chose it is uh, because a friend actually showed it to me once, uh, took a few pictures of it while she was reading it and was like, hey, this kind of sounds like you and it kind of sounds like some of the things that you've said um, before when trying to describe my own sexuality and, and just kind of process it when I was uh, a bit younger. And it really, really resonated with me. Um, never thought I'd resonate so well with a snail. <laughs> but <laughs> but here we are. Uh, and I think it did a great job of um, not only helping me gain the vocabulary to explain my own feelings to other people, but gave me some new vocabulary to work with and, and just really like broadened my understanding of myself and you know made me feel like a lot of things were valid in a way. Um, and then learned things about other pockets of the queer umbrella that I didn't understand before. Um, so yeah, I thought it would be a great start to this whole area and this whole conversation that y'all wanted to, to start talking about. Yeah, I thought it was super helpful. I liked it a lot. Yeah. yeah. Before we get too into it, though, I do want to ask you or I want you to be asked our um, normal guest questions. Yes. The oh, questions yeah. we ask every guest. Um, they're very high pressure. So <laughs> we ask that you take it extremely seriously. <laughs> so the first question we ask every guest, Phil, is tell us about a financial mistake you've made. Um, does it have to be like one mistake or just like a, a way of Laid practicing? On Interpret the question <laughs> how you will. Fantastic. And be your girlfriend. Hey. <laughs> I'm the that biggest was, financial just, benefit of her life. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Dating Maggie has just raised my net value to through the roof. Um, but as far as mistakes go, I feel like from a very young age, it took me um, a long time to understand that um, just because you have money doesn't mean, mean it needs to be spent. Mm. Um, so I always considered myself, I always considered myself a lot wealthier than I really was um, because I had a job. I worked a lot, especially in college. I worked full time, um, even though I was in school and should not have done that uh, because I also lived with my dad. Um, I had all of my bills covered. I didn't really have any expenses. There wasn't a reason for me to work as much as I did, but loved getting the money. Uh, and I thought uh, if I had money, you know, so many people in the world are in debt and I had no debt and I had, you know, a couple hundred bucks in the bank. So I was doing great. Uh, and then I would just find any excuse or reason to use that money. Um, so I'd spend it on, you know, useless shit all the time, especially like going out with friends who were like, oh, you live in an apartment and you have to support yourself and you're paying all these bills. Let's go do something fun together. Like, let me pay for it because I'm rich. <laughs> I make a whopping $9 an hour. Um, so yeah, that definitely solidified some really bad habits that I had to work really, really hard to, to start breaking down um, as I became a slightly more responsible adult. So that's a really good one. I feel like a lot of people could probably resonate with that, mm -hmm. um, especially like thinking you have more money than you do. I think that's a very common feeling. Yeah, I'm curious to know, like, was there a moment of change or was it a gradual change into being like, oh, this is not not good? Uh, I think it was when I started taking more responsibility for my own um, bills, basically when I moved out of my dad's house and started having to pay rent and pay for car insurance and my phone bill and all my groceries, like all of those things really added up and you never really know when another bill is going to pop up or something's going to be more expensive than you thought it was. Uh, and so I had to like anticipate 
things that I had to pay for. I couldn't just say that I have, you know, X amount of money in the bank. So I have X amount of money to spend on fun things. I had to think about, well, Mm. you know, if my electric bill is higher than I thought it would be because it's summer, then I'm going to need more money for that. So I need to, you know, not spend that on something dumb. Um, Do you think that like, how fucked up would this be is as a parent, if you like charged your, like if you gave your kid an allowance, right? Like most parents mm-hmm. give their kid an allowance. And then you like took some money every month away from the allowance to like no. charge them like rent and bills to like make them learn that they have to pay bills. People do that. That would be effective. I know. I think, yeah. Or would it just like traumatize your kid? No, there are definitely some people who have started doing this really? with their with their kids like the last few years of high school. Mm, we like, like to the, prepare them to like prepare hey them. you're about to start having pay all this right so the parents give them the money up front and work out the budget and then the kids pay them back and then you know get the benefit of mm. you know the extra that they managed to budget away I feel like stuff, it could but. be really beneficial to like practice paying bills oh, I've yeah. also you know? seen articles about parents giving their kids allowance and then teaching them how to invest the money and mm. showing them like each month how their investments are doing mm-hmm. yes. which I think is cool because I wish I would have I remember in school we did like a stock market game, but I don't remember any learning anything during that. Yeah, like no practical knowledge that translated yeah, off exactly. the screen. Right. Because it doesn't feel like real, like real, there's no real stakes. It's not like, oh, yeah. this is my money and I get to keep it if it grows. It's just right. like all pretend. I actually dated a girl uh, when I was in college who... We don't talk about that! (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I had a friend when I was in college, uh, and on her 16th birthday, her, you know, had a party, had her friends over, and as soon as all the friends went home, uh, her mom sat her down and was like, look, you're 16 now, it's time to start learning about responsibility and paying bills, you need to get a job because this is how much I'm going to start charging you on rent and you're going to start paying for utilities and all this. Whoa. And it seemed, I mean, it, 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 I still think it's kind of fucked up because like, on her it was birthday? on her 16th birthday, just a wee babe. It's like and, the opposite of sweet 16. Yeah. And so she got a job and she started helping out with the bills and like granted, she didn't come from a wealthy family. And so it was like kind of. I don't want to say necessary, but like really, really helped the family out for her to be able to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, she doesn't have any regrets about it. She understands and, you know, was glad to to do it, uh, even though it was really hard sometimes to to be dependent on in that way at such a young age. Um, And, you know, it's not fun, but God, I'll be damned if that wasn't one of the most financially responsible people I'd met. Like she was fully supporting herself by the time she was like 21 and had her own apartment and like was very responsible with her money, knew how to stretch a dollar. She could make, you know, $20 of groceries last a whole month. You know, it it helped. Don't don't get me wrong, but I don't know if I could have done that. Yeah, that's impressive. But yeah, that does also sound like it's more it's less of a pet project of like i'm going to teach my kid about money and it's like you have to learn about money yeah. so that our family can continue like functioning healthfully yeah so yeah um, a lot of responsibility sense. to put on a kid yeah yeah cool um so the second question i feel like you kind of already comprehensively answered but in case you'd like to answer it uh it's tell us about your relationship with money over the years Yeah, I think we definitely went over it um, a little bit. I would say the relationship now has turned into much, especially since starting to listen to Vaginance, uh, Mm -hmm. has turned into 
trying to be more proactive with money. Um, I haven't necessarily um, dove into investment opportunities or looking at that yet, but just trying to really put a cushion under me and know exactly where my money's going, knowing how to um, you know, cut things that I don't need. And um, yeah, I, I started my 401k this year. Fuck yeah. Trying to plan for like long term things and, and thinking about money in the long term. Um, you know, trying to still still working on that whole like idea of if you have money, you can spend money. Like, no, bitch, you can't. <laughs> you, you need that for when you're old and you want to do things. Um, so, yeah, it's we're still a work in progress, but I feel like I've got a lot, lot better handle on it now. I love that. That's awesome. And I also like no, bitch, you can't as a tank top idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, bitch, you can't. Yeah. Flag that, Julia. Yeah. Will do. Mark it. Will do. Trademark. <laughs> Trademark. Um, <laughs> somebody write that down. I almost said that. And I, I was like, remember, Julia flags these. <laughs> um, okay, so what is something you wish someone had told you years before you learned it? And this can be financial or it could be something else. Um, can I have a second to think on mm-hmm. that? Yeah, of course. Yes. Such a big question. It's a so really anyway. <laughs> I joke. I joke. It was a good joke. She I wish someone think. had told me to invest in Google years before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish someone had told me to buy a lot more GameStop. <laughs> I wish someone. This is kind of a real one. I wish someone would have told me I could afford a house when I was twenty three because I could, mm-hmm. and I had no idea because yeah. I considered myself a broke twenty three year old. But really, I was a twenty three year old yeah. who had saved a fuck ton of money and could have easily put a small down payment down and now have a trillion dollar home. In Austin, Texas. <laughs> yeah, we sorry. Needed, we need yeah. better mentors, so man. We should have yeah. met Chris and Allison ten years earlier. Why didn't I do CrossFit? <laughs> <laughs> it all comes back to CrossFit. <laughs> it always does. Um, I do think I have an answer, and that would be: I wish someone had told me that even though my friends may not be able to afford the things that I want to do or want to have or some of the things that they want does not mean that I have to pay for it or buy it for them. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. That's such a tough line to skirt. How do you... I haven't learned that yet. (laughs) How do you... How? How does... How do... How? Do y'all know what I'm trying to ask? You just just use the Julie method, which is... No. <laughs> no. Nope. Except Julie and Zach no. pay for everything. They pay for really so annoying. much. Yeah, I didn't mean in this circumstance. But I'm not going to complain about it. <laughs> I'm complaining. Oh my gosh. Okay, no, I think this is this Makes actually you feel like less of a man. <laughs> Good, because a man is not what you want to be, except in your job interview. <laughs> I like being pampered, Julie. <laughs> Don't you worry, Maggie. We got you. Yeah, I always tell Andy it feels like we're going out on a date with Zach and Julie, <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> and we're Swiss, not Dutch. <laughs> um. I think this is actually a really interesting thing, though, because people's income can shift pretty dramatically or but you still want to do stuff with your friends. So I think it's always hard to navigate what things you do, what things you cover. Do you compromise and and not do the things you want to do so you can still do them with your friends? Right. Do you do the things you want to do alone? 
Right. Yeah. There's some things that you can do alone and some things that like really the experience is not the same if you're alone or it's not the same if you don't have that person there. So, right. you know, in some cases it is worth it. Um, but in some yeah. cases, just like maybe maybe we wait, you know, maybe I help you out a little bit. Like there's there's different ways to navigate that for sure. Um, but the answer should never just be an automatic. Oh, well, I'll pay for it. Yeah, that's how you. you yeah, know, totally get yeah. yourself in my situation at a young age. I think it does require an awareness of your own financial situation, which most mm-hmm. of us don't have when we're young. Like like you, you said, I think that that feeling's probably f- pretty common. Like, oh, I work and my friend doesn't, mm-hmm. so I should pay for drinks. Yeah, I lived with my dad, and like a lot of my friends lived in their own apartment and paid their own rents. It's like, well, that means that I have an extra few hundred dollars a month that I'm not paying that they are, so right. I should I should spend that money on them. Yeah, totally and it is a balance, right? Because mm-hmm. I do think there is something that you know, you get out of being able to, to, um, like pay for drinks. Like it feels good yeah. to be able to mm-hmm. take your friends out and treat them, but you do kind of have to, you don't want to do that at the detriment of your own financial right. ruin. Yeah. I think yeah, it's like, like, like a balance. Add a, add a line in the budget that's yeah. like, right. Treat friends. Gifts for friends or like yeah. hang out money and spend on me, spend it on someone else, whatever. This is like hang out money. And gifts is, I really struggle with that because I love buying gifts. Oh, me too. It's so satisfying. I so much love fun. that you love giving gifts. <laughs> <laughs> I just want you to remember that I am terrible I at giving gifts. I know terrible at giving gifts. And, and you I should enjoy when, when we take y'all out because that's our gift because we suck at gifts. That is a good point. That is a very good point. You guys are great about that. Um, yeah, I just love finding like the perfect unexpected gift for somebody. You're so and- good at it. Mm-hmm. You're so good. I gotta yeah, admit something. So like good. an hour ago, I found the perfect gift for Taylor. <gasps> Me? Ooh. Yes. She bought it. <laughs> I get a surprise gift? I mean, who knows how long it's going to take. It's gonna, it will be a little while before it arrives, but... <laughs> I'm so excited. She showed it to me, and I was like, you're buying that, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm going to buy this. Oh, my God. That's such a beautiful thing. <laughs> so stoked about it. I really want to tell Julia Becca what it is later. When you're not here, I'm going to tell them what it is. Oh, my God. Thank you. I could just text a picture of it not right now to everyone and drive you crazy. I know. Don't accidentally put it in the wrong thread. Ooh, yeah, you're right. You're right. I want to know. <laughs> I just want you to know, Taylor, that I also have a gift for you in my house that's been sitting in a drawer for Christmas. Oh, yeah. Do you get? Yeah. Okay, so I also have a gift for you. I'm like, <laughs> that's been, I do it's been like it. a month in the making, but Andy has to be here when we give it to you. And true to form, I have nothing for you. <laughs> Take your tops off. I have side room for you. Oh, fuck yeah. That is truly the gift we all wanted. Julie won. Nice help in a side boob. But uh, I think that just goes to prove that, you know, you put so much karmic energy in the universe, it's just going to come back to you. You love buying people gifts, and now you've got three, apparently. Oh, my God. They're just unexpected. In the holster. Did I miss your birthday or something? No, <laughs> no it was like three months ago. I was right? saving mine till Christmas, but <laughs> I don't oh, think I can wait till Christmas. Like, yeah. Mine's a move out gift that's just taken a very long time to put into place. <laughs> also, I had big I dreams no about making everyone Christmas presents, and I'm kind of feeling like I probably won't have it in me. But mm. what? It's just we don't have to, you know. Uh uh-uh. uh. Let's just not. No, do it's it. gonna like hand make something for everybody. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and now I've I got like halfway through one, and I'm like, it's hard. 
<laughs> this was dumb. <laughs> it's going to take me like six years to do this. <laughs> um, okay, so next question. Next question. If you're comfortable answering it, mm-hmm. what's your favorite sex toy? Um, yeah, actually, I can answer that question. Um, we'll soon delve into my relationship with sex, but definitely the um, air pulse like, mm. Yeah, the clitoral toy. That's five out of five. Five out of five. Um, bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> they really boom, need boom, to be. Boom. Ad- they need to be giving us money. Absolutely. Awesome. I mean, <laughs> they're just, they're just, just what's the space? I <laughs> just like love it so much. They're so efficient, and so like especially with what I need them for, it's just it's God. They're so dependable and reliable, and just like bam, done, done, done. Yeah. So reliable mm-hmm. every time. Um, so yeah, sometimes you don't want to take forever. You're like, I want to go to bed. Two seconds. Yeah, it serves. You, it serves its so, purpose. <laughs> or you're like, that can stay for an hour. <laughs> no, I was joking because it's not sometimes for me. It's the claw. <laughs> yeah, if you're if you're alone in the middle of nowhere and all you have for food is stuff in cans that thing is your can opener man (laughs) (laughs) that's an amazon review if i've ever heard one wow should we all write amazon reviews Um, that's my favorite sex toy love it thank you next question that's the those are the questions oh that's it answered them you did a great job talk about Sex. <laughs> yeah, but it's duality. <laughs> Did you want to start with your relationship with sex? Because you had just mentioned that. Uh, so, yeah. What what would you like to know? Okay. Uh, how? <laughs> well, okay, let me better way. Because Taylor dreams about it a lot. And so she needs to add some details. <laughs> um, Only well, occasionally. <laughs> maybe we can structure it a little bit better can, and I maybe kind of go with the book a little bit. Yeah, I can start just saying for like, the record, like I identify as um, a woman, she, her pronouns, cisgender, and uh, my sexuality, I describe very vaguely as asexual. Um, there's a lot of nuance and variances within that umbrella. Um, but yeah, I am on the asexual spectrum, which means um, to whatever extent, I do not experience sexual attraction the same way as um, a lot of people do. Um, and I am also having with that classification um, also usually warrants a romantic orientation. So I am homo romantic. So I prefer to date women, um, even though like, you know, there's lots of dots in the timeline that might suggest um, other things, but you know, it's, who, who knows? Um, yeah, I, I consider myself a homoromantic asexual. Yeah, so you just went from zero to 100 really quickly because asexual is like a very specific and nuanced sexuality. So you are, you have a lot more complexities than like a strictly gay woman or a strictly mm-hmm. gay man or a straight man because there are lots of different types of asexuals. And Correct. there's also two parts of being asexual, which is like, a romantic desire and then a sexual or lack thereof desire. And there can be a lack of romantic desire as well on the asexual. Right, side. exactly. So you can be aromantic asexual. Mm-hmm. You can be romantic asexual. Like there's a whole shit ton of stuff there. So you want to tell it, you want to educate us a little bit about that? Yeah. So the snails say, 
Um, (laughs) That, yeah, you can have sexual attraction. That sexual attraction is on its own spectrum, um, usually within, like, attracted to your own gender or the opposite gender or multiple genders. Um, But I think that goes more towards the the gender conversation, dives deeper into that. Um, And then on the asexual spectrum... Um, What I really love about this book is that it dives into the distinction of sexual attraction and sexual arousal. Mm. Um, I feel like that's one of the things that really just a wave of relief washed over me when I when I read that and that clarified it and gave me the terms that I needed to describe myself and to to make sense of what I'd been feeling for so many years. Um, Because, you know, your body is, um, you know, a system of biological responses and so the things I was feeling and understanding um, was really in conflict with some of the things that my body had experienced um, and so I thought like is this me is this not me like how am I a fraud if I identify as asexual and I still have responses to to physical in- intimacy um, so that book really helped me in that regard well well and I think just to clarify I think what you're saying is that Um, You can be asexual and not have sexual attraction for another person, but you can still get turned on by physical stimulation. Absolutely. Um, So arousal being very different from attraction. And so a lot of people think that asexual people don't have even like a sex drive or libido, but some can actually have a very high libido and can enjoy masturbation or sex with partners. Yeah. And not all of them do, but it's it's. These things are not antithetical. Right, yeah. And I like to think about the fact that there are a lot of people who um, are, was it, you know, heterosexual or homosexual somewhere on the sexual spectrum and have a low libido. Like, I think, you know, all of us know someone or know of someone, heard a story of someone who was, you know, experiencing a low libido at some point and was just like, you know, what's wrong with me? Um, Or just didn't really enjoy sex on as regular a basis as um, they used to. And so libido can fluctuate. And to think about the exact opposite of that would be an asexual person who has a high libido. Um, that's to say that they their body requires sexual stimulation, but not to say that they experience sexual attraction to other people. So, you know, it could be something like, oh, they just have to masturbate more frequently to get out of the system. Maybe they enjoy doing it with having sex with other people um, to get it out of the system. Like you can still enjoy sex as an asexual. You just don't experience the sexual attraction. It's just, just a different relationship. Um, and... <clears throat> Another thing that, you know, uh, something that I had to sort through that was confusing, um, something that is, you know, still difficult to explain to a lot of people is that I can still find things attractive um, or appealing, but not be attracted to it. Um, and it's always a sen- and it's always a sensitive topic. And you know, I'll admit that it's kind of weird talking about it in front of Maggie because there's always this um, caution or this fear that someone that you're interested in or someone you're dating uh, is going to feel unattracted, un- unattractive um, or feel like you aren't attracted to them when that's not necessarily the case. Like if you don't experience sexual attraction, um, which, you know, to a certain extent I do with Maggie because we have such an intimate and, you know, close relationship. We've, we've become very close. Um, Guys, me and my girlfriend, we're very close. <laughs> <laughs> That's know. good. Uh, we're relieved. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
but yeah, that that Maggie and I's relationship aside, I can not experience sexual attraction to people, but still find people attractive. Um, it's like you know, you you see people all the yeah, time. Yeah, like, you know, like lots of people feel that. Like I can yeah. see a hot dude and be like, "Damn, that dude's fine." Right, exactly. I don't want to like, bang oh, him. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, oh, right, good looking dude. I feel that way about a yeah, lot of like, like celebrity tell, men. Where I'm yeah. like, I acknowledge that they're like symmetrical and and good looking, but I am not attracted to them. It's it's hard to sometimes. Um, have those things come up and not feel like you're contradicting yourself because I've gotten that um, a few times when just having these conversations with friends or with people who who ask questions, which I'm more than happy to talk about. It's like, oh, well, you were talking a few minutes ago about how that person was hot. Like, how can you say you're asexual when, mm-hmm. you know, you're saying all these things about people or like saying that that person's sexy or all these other things it's like that is just an objective statement. That person is objectively sexy. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean that I want to have sex with them or that, you know, it doesn't mean that I'm attracted to them it just means that i can recognize a beautiful human being when when it appears and you maybe you're not having like a chemical reaction of like i'm aroused but you can still be like that's an aesthetically pleasing thing right right um so yeah i feel like everyone experience i don't know i feel like i experienced that to a certain extent too and and how i feel about things changes all the time as well like i don't feel like i'm always one way all the time i feel like i can change a lot and how i experience sexuality and in interest and things like that isn't is that normal like does everyone i feel yeah, like everyone yeah, kind of fluctuates say, i think that's like one of the main things about sexuality is that like it doesn't have to be one way right you could be like attracted to someone one day and then not at all the next day yeah and that's fine and like people need to be more accepting of that i think well i think then our generation and gen z obviously are a lot more accepting but like i think maybe boomers and the generations above them just assume that like you're straight, you're straight. Right, you're straight, if, you're, if you're straight. you're not straight, you ain't right. If you're, <laughs> straight, you're gay. If you're not gay, I don't know. We don't work for that. So. That's <laughs> well, I think when it comes to asexuality, it just hasn't been in like general discourse for yeah. very long. Mm-hmm. And so people haven't had a lot of time to wrap their head around it. But one of the things that kind of helped me reframe in my head was it's pretty easy for most of us to think about someone who's sexually attracted to people but wants no romantic involvement. Mm-hmm. We can all picture that. It's in the movies, such a common trope. Yeah. So it shouldn't be that hard for us to imagine somebody who wants rom- who's like romantically attracted to someone but wants no sexual involvement. God, I love a good rom-com. That's like 20 days out of the month for me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, there's many days where yes. I'm like, I do not even give a fuck about sex. Like, don't talk to me. <laughs> don't look at me. Don't touch me. Don't talk to me. I was, I was going to m- potentially do this for this episode, but then I didn't because I thought it'd be horrific f- experience for me. But I was going to pull up my and Phil's first Tinder conversation Ooh. because she was openly... Ooh, I really want... <laughs> you want to do a dramatic reading of this, please? Well, she was, she's openly asexual on her Tinder profile, and I am not asexual. And I think the first thing I said to Phil was, oh, so you're looking for someone to go on dates with and maybe make out every now and again. I remember that And she message. was like, yeah. And I was like, cool, I'm down with that. Like, in my head, I was like, yeah, that sounds great. I would never be in a monogamous relationship with someone like that. But who doesn't love going on a fun date and making out? <laughs> so I, was like, I was down to like hang out. And then now we're, you know, dating for multiple years. 
<laughs> Funny how that happens. Yeah, Maggie, Maggie, you know, had to burst into my life and make me question a lot of other things and, and had to explore other sectors of my of my sexuality because this is the by far the most serious relationship I've ever had and longest relationship I've ever had. Um, so there's things about our relationship that are outliers as far as my sexual journey is concerned um, and, and my understanding of it. It's probably important to note that, Maggie, you are not on the asexual spectrum. Right. I do not identify as asexual. That is correct. So it's pretty impressive that not only were you both open-minded enough to date each other, but to be able to navigate for this amount of time what each of you needed out of the relationship, where people were willing to compromise or, you know. Yeah. Tell us about how it is navigating a relationship like that. Absolutely. So I'm going to have to like come back and be like, edit all of it out, Julie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Also, in the very beginning of our relationship, uh, I distinctly remember Maggie um, and her Maggie brutal, honest, not brutal, but respectfully honest way um, just letting me know up front, like, hey, I understand you're asexual. That's fine. I like you. I want to keep seeing you. But if sex isn't going to be a regular part of, you know, our connection and our experience together, um, then, you know, I want you to know that I do plan on continuing to see other people because sex is important to me. And it's like, oof, I'm a very monogamous motherfucker, but <laughs> I understand where you're coming from. And that's fine. Um and so, yeah, that, that's like the first time we had to really uh, encounter that and confront that. Uh, and then, you know, weird things happen where Maggie and I had a really strong connection from the get go. And I, I found myself willing to make compromises, um, not compromises, but but willing to engage with her um, intimately in, in ways that I hadn't been willing before. Um, you know, not you know, and I had had sexual uh, interactions with people before. Um, but none of it was as fun as, you know, inviting or as safe as it was with Maggie. Mm, so that really, man, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, it, it, was uh, a, it was a joke, like men are, you know, we, we can yeah. talk about it. If you want. <laughs> <laughs> Unsatisfying sex. <laughs> savage around here tonight. <laughs> I wouldn't even go, I wouldn't even go that far. so though. much editing in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, leave that in. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Maggie and I have had to have a lot of conversations and really check in with each other um, about that just to make sure that, you know, we're in a comfortable place because, you know, you, everyone has needs that need to be met and everyone has, you know, desires and wants. And, and just like any other aspect of a relationship, you have to make sure you're on the same page with each other. Mm. Um, so Maggie's yeah. good. I mean, and that's not to say that it's always been like a completely smooth road. Like oh, there have been yeah. moments of confusion and like misunderstandings and like any relationship we just like have found ways to talk through them and stuff Mm. but yeah there's definitely been moments where I've been like I'm confused right now I don't know if you're doing this for me or if you're doing this because you want to and so we have to like take a moment step back from everything talk for like three hours (laughs) (laughs) sometimes I'm just as confused like am I doing this for you because I like you so much or am I doing this for me that's I think a question a lot of people might ask. Yeah, I was, I was really say, like that is that seems like a very common thing that people have to navigate, regardless yeah. of your sexuality. Because mm-hmm. on the other end of that, you have relationships where you know people have really high sex drives or really like high demands, and 
part of you can question, well, is this about me or is this about you getting off? You know what I mean? Like, is it just like a physical thing that you need or is this about us being like close? So I think a lot of people navigate that as well, which I've definitely have in relationships in the past where it's like, is this really about us being intimate and close or is this just like a physical need you have and like anyone could fill this gap kind of thing. So I do find comfort in knowing that that's like a common like lots of people, yeah, definitely have to take a step back and be like, let's let's just check in real quick here. Totally. <laughs> the difference in my previous experience in past relationships is that the step back never happened. <laughs> it's that I it usually worked this way, where the my male counterpart what was instigating something sexual, and I'm like, well. I don't really want to at all, but we haven't had sex in four and a half weeks, so I guess we will. Um, and it's like, you know, it's not something I like would hold against him or anything because I was right. consensual, but like I didn't want to have sex. It feels um, coerced a little bit. Yeah, sometimes. it's like, but it's internally coerced. Yeah, you know? totally. Like, I, I decide myself like, okay, I have waited enough time that is acceptable arbitrarily. Right. Um, like, what do I feel obligated yeah. to do? Yeah. And so, but I've like... In in these past relationships, I've never done the step back. I've never done the talk for three hours because I'm. <laughs> those men have never said, "Are you sure you want to?" Once they get the go ahead, they're like, "Great." And yeah, maybe it's because like I felt that yeah myself that I'm like I don't want you to feel that yeah. So like I would rather us talk about it. But I mean, it, like I said, it is confusing, and it's not to say that it doesn't like continue to be confusing. Sometimes it's probably something that we'll always have to like check in with each other about. Yeah, I mean, imagine dating someone who is another asexual. That god damn that um that can get confusing. Hmm. I think also just for me, I've always just struggled with putting labels on myself at all because I feel like. I've said before, like, I feel like I change all the time and how I feel about things and how I see myself. And I struggle with that a lot, especially with trying to understand, I think, labels and identities, because for me, they just change constantly. So I'm like, how can anyone identify as anything? Like, what is, you know, then I start to think, like, what does gender even mean? <laughs> what does it mean to feel male or female? I just feel like me. Like, I don't, what is, like, what attributes do you have to describe, like, ascribe to yourself to feel that way? Like, I just never really understood it because I just don't feel like I, I don't feel like I just, like, this is me or this, you know? I well, don't know how to explain totally it. That's totally valid. It's just like, I yeah. just me. I don't know. It, it's totally valid to not want to prescribe to any like definitive labels and to just, you know, want to keep exploring that and like not have yeah. to, to, you know, say what you are in so many few terms. Um, but I think the important thing that this book really touches on is that these words are not necessary, but they're available. They're right. a resource and a tool like they, they serve people. They don't Totally. They aren't used to, you know, just label people. Um, and a lot of people, it helps to like be able to put a label on something or identify something of how they're feeling. Right. Like me. Like yeah. there were times where is we're reading this book. That was the first time I heard the words um, cupiosexual or lithosexual or plachiosexual. And I like went through all of those terms and was like, wow, like I kind of maybe identify with that a little bit, but not necessarily. But man, that really helps me narrow down what I feel in this period of my life. And like that really helps me understand what I'm going through and, and how to move forward with my relationships. Um, just having those tools is so, so valuable. And so There's glad that we have it now. 
a quote in the book which says, we define these identities, they do not define us. Which I think kind of speaks to that, where it's like, just because you say, you know, identify as asexual, that doesn't mean that's who you are. Mm -hmm. And obviously, uh, you can tomorrow say you're not anymore. Right. Like fucking choice, right? And that's part of it, too, is like, how, who determines what's valid? Like, can you say, can I say, I feel... Is it different to say I feel asexual some sometimes and sometimes I feel pansexual? Like, can I be both? You know, like, is that as valid or is that different than like kind of like have you always felt like your whole life you were this way? Or has it changed over time? Like, I guess I just don't I don't know. Like, where's the you know? Yeah, no, I understand that completely. There, I mean, you want to be careful, like as a person, especially when you engage in the queer world, or at least me personally, um, that you don't want to invalidate others right. when you're exploring your own identity, for sure. Like you don't want to, you don't want to seem wishy-washy or like, you know, it's just like a feeling you have one day. And, you know, that's, that's happened to me with people that I've run into who have had experiences with with the kinds of people who are exploring and they'll say like one day that they feel um, like there's transgender and that they're supposed to be another gender which is totally valid and then you know a couple years later say you know what that was a mistake never mind Um, but some of the people who you know they talk to about those things who may be a little more close-minded or may not understand fully you know the queer world um, that automatically ticks off in their brain as oh that was just a phase transgender is not a thing like it's something that everyone gets over with enough time Mm -hmm. Um, so it's yeah something that I think you know that I hear from what you said and definitely something that I think about all the time. Um, you know, you don't want to invalidate other people uh, by exploring your own identity, but it's so essential to explore your own identity. Um, so sometimes you just kind of try on those labels and be like, you know, what, how does it make me feel to call myself uh, a man or a woman or a non-binary? Or what does it feel like when I tell people that I'm asexual? Like, does that, am I ashamed of that? Does that feel right? Like, you know, it's, yeah. you got to try a few things on. It's also, well, I was just going to say, and then some people tie themselves so strongly to their sexuality that then it prevents them from exploring more. So like, right. there might be a, a quote unquote straight man who finds, I don't know, this magical fairy boy who's amazingly beautiful. Mm-hmm. And he's like, man, that guy is amazing. But I am so self-identified as part of who I am as mm-hmm. being a straight guy that like, I won't even go near him right. where it's like if you didn't have an identity at all right then it wouldn't then you wouldn't be constraining yourself like that yeah yeah it's so interesting to me i don't know i guess i've because every i feel like everyone has a different idea in their head of what it means to be whatever right like what does it mean to be a man what does it mean to be a woman like we all have such different ideas of what that means and which can cause a lot of problems in our society and what we think other people, sh- you know, how they other people should act and how other people should behave as those identities. And I don't know. It's just so hard for me to wrap my head around because I don't think Good it matters. Good rule of thumb. Like, Mind your own goddamn business. Right. It's all just made up. And, like, who cares? Like, trash is trash. It's a trick. Trash is trash. Like, nothing matters. We're all going to die. The sun will implode one day and engulf the world and none of this will ever have existed. Like, who fucking cares? Just do what you want. Don't, you know, make other people's lives worse. Uh, Taylor is my nihilistic pinup girl. <laughs> I sexually identify as Taylor. 
So do I. Powerful. So do I. I want both of those things on a t-shirt. <laughs> uh, uh, what were you talking about? I don't know. I, <laughs> labels. I, labels. I think you slightly touched on sort of like broader perceptions in society of people based on their sexuality. And I was having a thought today about how when someone is heterosexual, and I'll just use women in these examples just to simplify the language, but um, you would never assume that a heterosexual woman is attracted to all men. Right. That would be insane. Right. Yeah. But as soon as someone says that they are a homosexual, all of a sudden it's like, oh, you're a homosexual women, woman? You must be into all women. Yeah. yeah. Which is equally insane. Well, straight dudes definitely think all gay guys are obsessed with them. Like, right. every straight dude's like, oh, you're gay? Oh, you definitely want to You're into me. all you men. You want to see my right? dick. Yes. You want to see my dick. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. When we were in New York last week, we went, my dad came to visit us because uh, he lives a couple hours away. And we went to, I really wanted to find a gay piano bar to go to. So this is my jam. And we found so many. Who would have thunk? Uh, and I was like, all right, first night he's here. We're taking him to this piano bar. He loves pianos. He loves singing. I love gay people who sing. It's mm-hmm. a match made in heaven. And I was like, I really, really hope someone hits on my dad. He's a nice, fine looking man. And I just, I want him to have that experience because I feel like he'd just eat it up and just really run with it and Aww. feel good about himself. But it didn't happen. He is dad hot. Him. Yeah. Aww. I want to yeah. see a picture. He's like hot for a dad. Okay. He, nice. That means he's Taylor's type. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <true. laughs> There's nothing bad about that. Uh, yeah, he's in he's in the AARP and he's, you know, he's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good looking for for a man in that category. Um yeah, the West Village is my favorite. Absolute favorite place in New York City. There's so many gay magical things going on there it's beautiful i know the little snails were really helpful because i think the label thing is also something i've struggled i know me and taylor have talked about this um for me i remember the first time i learned the word pansexual i was like oh that's obviously what i am yeah but then i was like wait but isn't everyone <laughs> that's how exactly yeah. that i felt like isn't everyone just attracted yeah. to whoever like- yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, so yeah, I, I understand like once you start thinking, it's like at first you're like, okay, I get it. And then you're like, oh, wait, no, I've done more research. I get it more. But then you go deep and you're like, wait, no, none of this makes sense. <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> and it's not because it's wrong. It's because like in your head, if you, especially if you're comfortable with a gray area, it's hard to imagine like having fine lines, especially whenever things are on such like fluid spectrums of sexuality mm-hmm. and gender. And there are no fine lines, even within the labels that do exist. So like, I think it's wonderful that these labels exist. Anyways, that's what the snails get at <laughs> is, that, <laughs> is that the labels can just be helpful and yeah. like, you don't have to use them and there's nothing right or wrong with using them. Um, and you don't have to perfectly fit whatever it is that, some people think the label represents yeah um they're just there to be helpful for you to like better kind of see how you relate to the world sexually or however um so i really i thought the snail's (laughs) explanation of the labels was really great yeah um that may helped my brain kind of smush around it a little easier yeah i know i used to I used to be very scared of the idea. I think a lot because of the media that we've consumed and like being raised by boomers. Um, I used to be very scared of the idea of dating a man and marrying someone that ended up being gay 
and like leaving me when I'm 40 for a man. And like that was like a really scary thought to me up until recently, because I think it's just that like how we grew up with like those were the only labels. And if if someone ends up being gay later in life, they were just faking it the whole time. And, you know, like I, I don't know why it was just such a narrow point of view you know what I mean so like just because of the way we grew up it was just so narrow-minded to be like well you're gay or straight and like I might end up with a gay dude and not know it and like and then I'm fucked because I'm alone at 40 and then you realize that you're married to a bisexual man and you've got such a great life ideal I was gonna say I find in my dream (laughs) being married to a gay man would be fabulous but and that's the thing too is like I guess the the fear wasn't real really about that it was really about being unwanted and yeah. not you know being was like dedicating my life to somebody who didn't really ever want to be with me like that is a scary concept yeah and like not being good enough just for who i am um but now i'm like well if we're both bisexual we could just fuck everybody <laughs> oh my god <laughs> fuck everybody and fuck everybody fuck every- exactly fuck everybody <laughs> Fuck everybody. <laughs> Another so great tank top. Oh my God. Yeah. I would okay. watch that porn. <laughs> the angry, angry yeah. porn. <laughs> so I, I think what that really speaks to for the boomer generation mm-hmm. is that at the time when we were still growing up, it was still expected that men would act straight even if they're gay. Like it's not acceptable to be gay. So you still get married and have a family. Yeah. yeah. But then the risk runs that at some point they just can't keep up the charade any longer and they decide to be true to themselves and then you're left in the dust. And a divorced woman was never a good thing to be because there are so many penalties in the way that our system is structured here to being a single woman, a single mother. Oh, a single older woman, too, is like nobody gives a shit about older women. Like that is the worst thing to be in our society. Financial impacts are massive. So I think it was a lot of fear on our parents' part saying stuff like that. Yeah. Actually, that's funny you say that. I had a friend who um, said he told me that he grew up very homophobic until he joined the military and like became diversified through the military, like meeting different kinds of people in the military. Yeah, and that's when he stopped being homophobic. And I was like, oh, that's actually super cool to hear. Yeah. It's, it's not awesome. the place I would have expected. No, yeah, I was gonna say, right. give me that, give me <laughs> well, that truth number. That, we need like, to send more people to them. Well, thankfully, we ended things like don't ask, don't tell. Like people were now open. It was openly okay to like okay to be gay in the military recently yeah i was like well very recently from a bureaucratic perspective not necessarily culturally within your particular base or troop or whatever you know it's like the more that people are able to safely talk about their identities or you know their their sexual part whatever the more people interact with them that maybe are more typical and learn that oh gay people aren't fucking evil you know like you just have to interact with other people that are different from you to have evil people see humanity (laughs) and other people like it's as simple as that like people need to be able to meet someone that's different from them to see their humanity and when you live in the middle of nowhere and you're unwilling to meet anyone that's different from you it's a lot harder to do that yeah and anyway. for the record, pedophiles are not welcome under the queer umbrella. Let that be fucking known. 
That is a big thing. Like, people assume that gay men are pedophiles. Yeah, what's it called? A, a, a map minor attracted person. That's something that they had to try and start. And that's why it's like a lot of queer... I, I definitely know people whose family have told them that they were hesitant to have them return to family functions because there would be small children there. That's oh, because disgusting. my friend was queer. And you know what's laughable about that is that one of the most searched fucking watched porn is underage girls and guess who's fucking watching that shit it's straight men yep barely legal teenagers goes down on fucking teacher like that is the most watched fucking porn on the internet and it's all fucking straight dudes watching literally 15 year old girls fuck so to turn around and say that gay men are the ones that are pedophiles is fucking laughable really it's just all men (laughs) (laughs) But not all men, Taylor. <clears throat> Most. <laughs> so I feel like we've definitely um, talked a little bit about Phil's sexuality, a little bit about mine, brush the surface, a little bit about Taylor's. Um, Becca, you said you're in a gray area of pansexuality. I mean, I certainly identify as pansexual, um, but it's like not something I've ever like, uh, it's never... I've never really delved into it. It's just as soon as I learned the word, I was like, yeah, that's definitely it. Um, Sounds like a pansexual. <laughs> but I, yeah, I, like I said, I had the exact same experience where I was like, oh, yeah, you're attracted to anything and anybody just it just doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> that's obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, like there's really not I think I learned that word maybe. I mean, not long ago, like four or five years ago, mm-hmm. something around then. And yeah, I just remember my friend told me that she was pansexual and I was like, whoa, cool. What is that? And she <laughs> described it. And I was like, is it weird if I take it too? <laughs> I'm stealing your identity. <laughs> is it copying you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess I always had like a... I always felt very uncomfortable with being labeled as any sexuality um, because you say always like you knew from when you were a little kid that you didn't want to be labeled as any sexuality. Yeah. Taylor never liked boxes. I don't like (laughs) I don't like tiny boxes. Um, Well, then. (laughs) But. But she only loves big boxes. But she loves tiny boxwoods. Chocolate chip cookies. I do love tiny boxwoods. (laughs) It's an interesting juke to that joke. I like that. I like the twist. Um, Yeah, no, it was weird because I, so one of my coworkers, I don't know if, I don't want to identify anybody. One of my coworkers um, who I became friends with back in LA was like, yeah, I'm bisexual. And I was like, yeah, I mean, me too, but like also just everybody. I don't know. Like, what does that mean? Like, I just attracted to people. And so I didn't really feel comfortable saying bisexual either. I didn't say I didn't feel comfortable just saying straight because that was too. I just never felt comfortable with any label. And I guess pansexual would be the closest thing. But it's like. I'm just attracted to people. That's why queer is such a good word. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel weird like saying that I'm anything. I don't know. I wonder if that's because I I do relate to that. um, And I I think it's because I am 
as straight presenting as a person can really be. Like yeah. my only significant I cannot pick up women. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my only significant relationships have been with men. Um and I'm like cisgendered woman and I I guess like I just pretty much exemplify like being a straight white woman so like it felt it never it felt a little wrong and appropriative to make that a part of my identity right like i feel the exact identifying under the queer umbrellas right right Right. are you though right when it's like oh you've only dated men and you've only done this and it's like well that is a hot topic though in the queer community especially with the past few years worth of prides of you know there have been instances of like harassment and like legitimate you know, wrongdoing on the queer community's part of um, gatekeeping from people who are, you know, in practice heterosexual or like heteronormative, but who still like, you know, have some wiggle room or who have um, curiosities or experiences, things that they still want to explore, still identify with like that. That's the whole point of sexuality is not that you um, you know, or, you know, for instance, bisexual people, it's not that you go around fucking every single gender out there. Mm-hmm. It's that you are open to that. And like, that's an option. Um, you can, you know, if you're monogamous, yeah, you're gonna end up with someone who is a gender, or, you know, a gender, male or female. A-space um, gender. <laughs> yeah, a specific gender. Um, but that doesn't, you know, exclude you from the other op into the spectrum um so that's something that the queer community is working on currently mm-hmm. um to you know be more accepting of heteronormative practicing people who are still queer like you're if you you know if you want to and if you um feel comfortable identifying as queer you absolutely should you are welcome under that umbrella even if it's just curiosity then something that you want to continue to explore like that's something that you know that the basis of what we stand for is just accept people and make sure that they're comfortable exploring that and know that they're welcome and that they're safe doing that. I think everyone should just be attracted to whatever they want. I wish. Right? Why does anyone have to say they're straight? That's probably not true. (laughs) This does raise an interesting point, but about like sexuality versus monogamy in relationships. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because That's, I think monogamy is a whole nother spectrum of how what people's comfort levels are true. and the communication of that to your partner and navigating that over the course of a relationship. Yeah. Yeah, I think in my opinion that monogamy can be fluid as well as sex- yeah. sexuality. Mm-hmm. Where it's like there might be points in your relationship where monogamy feels like the right way to be, points where it doesn't, and it's just like let's – keep reassessing and keep talking and does just because it's one way right now doesn't mean it has to be that way forever right like you can change you can you can decide whatever the terms of your contract are like yeah you can decide fucking I can be- 21st century right. make it what like, you want to make it exactly like hey i want to be with you but i also want to be with other people or i want to be with you and i want to date other people or i don't want to date other people or i want to just date like there's just so many different ways you can agree to things it doesn't have to be one way but you have to have a lot of trust for something like that because there's a lot of situations where people open up their relationship and I've seen it go, like, go really south. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some people that make it work and then they, you know, revisit that and they're like, hey, we tried this and it is a little too complicated. Feelings are hurt, whatever. Let's close this back up. Like you just there's a lot of communication, a lot of trust, I think, with something like that. 
I have no interest I think, in dating. I think in my people. opinion, if your communication isn't good, then don't try it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that takes years, right? Like communication is so fucking hard. And I think even with a, a partner, it's like something you constantly have to work at. So working to build that trust of like, what does it mean for us to be non-monogamous or monogamous? Like, cause everyone, you know, if you're attracted to other people, like that doesn't stop when you are with somebody, right? Like you're still going to have chemical reactions to other people. If you have, you know, if you're attracted to other people, that's not going to end. So like acknowledging that and then deciding what you want to do with that is, something everyone should address in a relationship but pretending it doesn't exist is stupid Mm -hmm. like you can acknowledge when there's someone you're attracted to it doesn't mean you want to like cheat on your partner you know because you're like oh that's a really attractive person that doesn't mean i'm going to cheat on you it just means they're attractive like it doesn't have to go beyond that or you could be like let's try to fuck them I think they're hot. You think they're hot? We think they're hot? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Tell them their eyes are pretty. That's my boundary, right? That's my boundary. For me, like, I'm cool with with opening it up in that way where I'm like, I'm involved. I'm not okay with my partner being with someone and I'm not in the city. Like, they're just, they go off and fuck somebody else. I'm not cool with that. But if I'm involved in it, then I'm okay with it. Like, it's just about whatever you're comfortable with. Yeah, and... That could change one day. Yeah, that could change one day. One day you might not be cool with it at all. Maybe one day I don't want to fuck my partner or anybody else, (laughs) you know? Like, it just, it changes. Yeah, I mean, we don't really talk about this topic specifically during our relationship check-ins, but I feel like in the whole relationship check-in spectrum of things you can talk about, like, add this to the list of being like, hey, how is our dynamic? Like, how is our everyday life is this happy for you or do you mm. want to change it and if so like we need you need to tell, tell somebody that some you're going to be resentful if you don't at least like say what you're feeling yeah at the very least well and if you don't if you don't talk about whether or not your sexual needs your emotional needs your romantic needs all of these different types of needs if something's not being fulfilled and you communicate that to your partner, there's an opportunity to get those needs fulfilled, either through your partner or your partner being like, hey, I know I've been really busy working lately and you're not getting maybe like the emotional care you need. You know, do you want to hang out with your girlfriend more? Like what can I help free up from your schedule so that Mm -hmm. you can go and see your friends if that's another relationship that helps fulfill that for you? Or, you know, just being able to have someone to bounce ideas off of so that everyone's being taken care of well in all of the different facets. Mm -hmm. That's something that we've talked about before is that I want to be like your person, but I don't want to be your every person. Mm -hmm. And so there are like things, I don't know, like maybe work stuff or something that I'll be like, you should talk to your friend about that because they will, one, understand more and two, be able to have better feedback than me. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, yeah, I want to be there for you when I want to hear it. But like there are other people in your life. And same for me. There are some things that like I only want to talk to George about, believe it or not. Right. But- <laughs> believe that. <laughs> and some things that I'm very glad she only talks to George about. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's what I mean. I don't think yeah. I don't think a healthy relationship is having one person be every person for you. That's too I much. Agree. Right. Too much it's expectation. It's too much pressure. It's too much expectation. I remember years ago, um, our friend Caitlin said that 
Um, and it always stuck with me where she was like, your, your partner doesn't need to also be your best friend, the person you go to for everything. Like you can have different people in your life that fulfill those needs. And you probably should because it's too a lot much, of pressure, way too much pressure to put on one, one person, person yeah. to be your everything. Yeah. So yeah, that, that I totally, totally agree with. But that can spill over into like at some point sexual needs, romantic mm-hmm. needs, whatever. Like, yeah, you figure it out. You just have to be honest with the person that you're in a relationship with and yeah. communicative. Um, but I am curious, Becca, have you and your partner mm-hmm. um, talked about those different needs at all and what how you see your relationship going in the future and if it could change? And I mean, I made it. We talked pretty openly at the beginning. So it's funny, like, with my past relationships, uh, dudes have presented ideas to me, and I'm like, fuck, no. Absolutely not, like, about opening the relationship or whatever. Um, But now dating Andy, like, anything he wants, I would be pretty much down with. And I think it's just a trust thing. Mm -hmm. Like, those guys I never trusted on, like, even, like, the basis level, really. Um, (laughs) It's also, like, super clear that Andy deeply cares about you and that he wouldn't, like, intentionally do something that would hurt you. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that just... That's something that blew my mind immediately, dating someone that I, like, had such a history with and, like, trusted so much immediately Mm -hmm. that, like, the sex was amazing because of that. Like, there's just that you there's a lot of trust you have to build to have good sex like Mm -hmm. so much and i feel like we got to cheat and we got Mm -hmm. to just like skip ahead a lot of that (laughs) and it was amazing so cute i mean i don't want to say skip ahead like there were 15 years yeah this is a decade (laughs) (laughs) yeah but yeah it's really cool and so i know at the beginning i um you know told him you know eventually we might get to a point in our relationship where we want to open it, like just to have sex with a third person. And if it's a girl, that's great. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Preferable. (laughs) Yeah. At least in the word in my head now, um, we haven't talked about it in a while, but yeah, I I made it pretty clear that like experimentation, um, along like the longevity of our relationship is important to me, whether that involves other people or just like new things or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, we've talked about it a little bit, and um, he, I don't think he, I don't think he's quite <laughs> to the point of openness that I claim mm-hmm. to be. But you know, you can claim to be open, and then when the situation presents Ooh. itself, you might be like, a little different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't really know about myself either. But it's like uh, just another gray area that I'm really happy to keep gray, and I don't need it to be black or white at any yeah. point. Like I'm happy for that to be on the table loosely. Um, yeah. Until yeah. it doesn't make sense, or it does make sense. Or- yeah, I think Maggie I think- and I are somewhat in the in the same areas. I I mean, I used to be a serial monogamous, like could not imagine being in anything but in a monogam- monogamous relationship, until I found someone that I trusted as much as Maggie. And now, mm-hmm. like, even though we haven't gotten to that point in our relationship yet, where you know we have opened anything up or or even you know begun to really discuss it, we have you know both expressed. I, I think we've both expressed. Well, if not, here it is. Um, oh, shit. I mean, it, that's something that, yeah, like, I, I can see that cr- cropping up in our future. And no, like we've some- talked about it. Okay, good. I volunteer. See, <laughs> <laughs> so you can't pick up women. <laughs> um, but yeah, but like, because I found someone that I trust as much yeah. as Maggie, things like, you know, just having 
the ability to explore things sexually with another person or being able to see yourself like as a couple exploring outside of your own relationship and just knowing that not everything's going to crumble as soon as you open that up. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it requires a great deal of trust. And I think it, it we've kind of mentioned this with other areas about your partners changing over time, but I think it's kind of exciting to know that you can change and like those terms can change. And like, just because you decide, Hey, let's open this up. That doesn't mean you, that's now who you are. Like, you don't have to say now we're in an open relationship. This is what all will ever be. You can decide, you know what? This isn't for me. Let's yeah, you like, literally be like, Oh shit. Like, let, no, yeah, like, yeah. nope, <laughs> let's reevaluate this or I'm not into this or like, let's change, you know, let's change the rules. Like you get to make your rela- relationship wherever, you, whatever you want it to be. And that's, that to me is the exciting part is like, you don't have to stay the same all the time. You get to change and change the rules. I think another really beautiful thing is I'm super glad that our relationship isn't the same as it was when we started not and that it has evolved mm-hmm. and like become better and different. And I think that maybe staying stagnant would be boring at some point. I, don't know. I agree. And yeah. whatever that means, like communicating more, um, like you said, just trying new things, just monogamously together, whatever. But like mm-hmm. having a relationship evolve is a really beautiful thing, I think. Um, on that note, we haven't talked at all about Zach and Julie's relationship. Yeah, we have not. And I would, I would love to hear. (laughs) I've been waiting for um, some of your thoughts because you did mention a relationship with a woman. I have to be so bad, but I do. I'm gonna need. I'm gonna need some time to think about about you and Zach's relationship. It's not that interesting. I also (laughs) walk us through like a sexual experience. (laughs) I'll tell you about my. I'll I'll tell you about my afternoon today. Yes, please. Was it Julie. Overalls? <laughs> no. Afternoon delight. Side boom. <laughs> um, do you in uh, do you have a sexuality that you identify with that you would like to share? Um, long before I knew that there were more than hetero, homo, and bi, mm-hmm. I always knew I was way more in the bi category. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Like I mentioned earlier, the problem with anything that's not hetero Mm -hmm. is that people automatically jump to the assumption that you're into everyone who fits that base criteria. Mm -hmm. Whereas for me, I feel like the reason I fell into that category is because someone's gender or physiological sex is so low of things I'm looking for in a partner. Mm -hmm. It's like something you vaguely take into consideration or not at all. Well, it's just like maybe not the first thing. It's like yeah, emotional it's like, it's connection. Like way down. Yeah. So it's yeah. definitely like emotional connection. And there are certain like body types or characteristics. But I, there are male body type characteristics that I'm very into. And there are female ones I'm very into. Mm-hmm. And they're very particular. <laughs> so it's more that there's Julie, like. Julie, you're particular? <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> Random, right? <laughs> Hard to believe. Um, so I think it's that like I'm so particular that thank God. I'm not limited to one gender or I would never find a partner. I got very lucky with Zach. (laughs) Um, He got very lucky with you. We're both so lucky. It's a fucking love fest. Are we still talking about this afternoon? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I got lucky. (laughs) (laughs) Love that. So at one point you identified as bisexual, but maybe that's not quite the right categorization at this point. Or do you still identify as bisexual? Or is it sort of like a Taylor situation where you're like, I don't want to put a label on it. 
so on the label discussion, not just for me personally, but I've always felt a lot of fear, especially watching Gen Z grow up because they're so label centric. Mm -hmm. I've had so much fear for them because being at our age, and we're still very young, but being at our age, we know how many different evolutions our personalities and and careers and hobbies and like all these different things that sort of change that like last week, Becca decided that her identity is now kickboxing. That's true. That's actually my thing. But it's just amazing how many different evolutions you can go through as a human and the amount of growth you get to experience by not feeling stuck within one box. Yeah. And... I really fear sometimes for Gen Z because they're attaching labels to themselves at such a young age, Mm -hmm. which I think, as this book has pointed out, can be so useful because they feel seen. It's it's a way for them to be able to find other people they can talk to with shared experiences. Mm -hmm. But... I fear that they will get stuck in those identities at such right. a young age that it limits their growth through their 20s, which is, yeah. you know, and also a time when we change yeah, so much. Like right. And you could start to feel like a fraud because like what we were saying earlier, like, am I a fraud because I don't feel this way now when I did before and I announced to everybody that this is who I am and I don't feel that way anymore. Does that make me invalid? Does that make me a poser? Like, right. You literally when I was in my 20s, I tried to explain this to other people in their 20s now. But I remember I felt like a different person from year to year. I was like, I am not the same person I was 12 months ago. Like my brain, I can feel it changing. Mm -hmm. Like it's such a dramatic change. Yeah. The iteration loop is so fast at that age. And if you have built your entire community based on this one identity you selected Mm -hmm. at such young age, you feel like you can't evolve your identity without losing all of your friends and community right which is super sad so i think just like always hang out with lots of people who are not exactly the same as you that way you can continue to grow and evolve um but for me personally on the label front it was also never a very welcoming thing in the queer community to identify as bi because no one trusts bisexual yeah (laughs) because again even though people in the queer community experience what i said earlier where hetero people assume they like everyone who fits that one type the people in the queer community who are not bisexual attribute the same thing to bisexuals but then also don't trust them so like i think that's changing a lot there's a lot more discussion around bisexuality and and other sexualities that are not specifically like homosexuality i i can attest to you being correct because at one point in my life i would say my early 20s i personally as a gay identifying woman was fearful of bisexuals yeah. Because I had been burned by people who right. I was like, they like me. And then it turned out they were straight. But that wasn't something that I should have taken to blame all bisexuals for, right? But then, like, you get burned once and you're like, I'm never dating a bisexual again. There's right. tricksters. So it's bisexual. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I, I have that fear of of being of people not believing me when I say I'm attracted to different people like I'm just attracted to anybody um I always had that fear that women would think I was just lying or like oh you're just experimenting whatever I'm like if you even knew the dreams I had (laughs) you would know I was not lying (laughs) vivid (laughs) well and as a woman in a hetero relationship it only makes it harder because you've completely invalidated everything it's like no I'm also a very monogamous person and so my partner is a man and so I am hetero right now, you know, acting in a heterosexual way. Right. 
Which doesn't mean that's the way it is all the time. Yeah. And I've experienced the same things on a, in a similar way on the opposite side opposite side of the spectrum. Um, whereas in like like I kind of hinted at earlier, I've had experiences with guys. Like I've dated men, and you know, always living in fear of like, um, oh my God, are people going to illegitimize my queerness because I've been curious about this and want to experience it? Like I I lost my virginity to a man very willingly, and like it wasn't necessarily that i was like oh man gotta go fuck me some dick <laughs> but it was Ugh. more i don't think any woman's first sexual experience is that just so you know right right um <laughs> no not. we're but, all terrified anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no i mean that I mean, that particular moment was just that, like, I, at the ripe age of, like, 23, had just finally decided, like, you know what, maybe I should kind of see what this is about. I need to find someone that I trust. And at that moment in my life, like, just so happened to have someone in my life that I did trust enough to to explore that with and just so happened to be um, a, a male that, you know, I was in, into me and I was into him and for different reasons like we were had a connection it was like let's let's do this like I would really like to explore this and you know you're someone that I feel safe exploring this with and like god it took me a long time to come to terms with that um not I mean I always you know told myself it's okay and like you're still a lesbian or you can say <laughs> whatever you want um yeah you know got got a lot of flack for it because you know it was, it was a co-worker when i was working in food service and you know how uh transparent like everyone's lives are in, the, yeah. in that industry um and so yeah like just took a while to to really process that like am i still queer am i still a lesbian if i am having sexual relations and, and dating a man mm-hmm. man um, I, a man. <laughs> <laughs> um, and even since then, like after that, like other experiences with men and, you know, um, just being able to affirm to myself that like, yeah, I'm still queer and I still, you know, I, I want to date women and that's primarily who I'm attracted to. There, there have been exceptions like, yes, um, but that's not, that's not the common factor. Like that's not the, the, uh, what pattern is the, the main yeah, that's that's not the main driving force in my life like i think primarily was a great way to put it yes primarily like this is usually what registers on my radar right it doesn't mean other things don't show up right and like it, it's pretty close-minded to to say that you're not close-minded but you know i i like that i'm able to now say that yeah if there's a person that pops up who isn't a woman and you know i have a connection and i want to explore that relationship further so be it like that's great i'm excited for that opportunity um it's just that like for the most part i feel like women are where i'm at like Mm -hmm. i feel like the um vaginans crew might be particularly lucky in that we all have partners who are supportive and understanding of like gender and sexual identity fluidity a little bit. And like, I could imagine maybe a curious or bisexual woman who's dating a really straight man Mm -hmm. who's not understanding of that stuff. And that would make it so much harder, but having partners who support you and are like, 
yeah, like, let's figure out life together, man. Like, I think that helps Mm -hmm. you come into your own a lot more easily. And that is to say that I think I see Zach doing that a lot with you. He's always been very open-minded, very, like, loving and, like... I don't know. And to be honest, you wouldn't think that looking at him. Like <laughs> he presents like to be honest, he presents as a very like manly, rugged, like big dude that's like, yeah. you know, chop some fucking wood, you know? Like And he will chop some wood. And he but- will chop some wood, <laughs> which is very sexy. But he'll like also make out with a guy. But like, also yeah. make out with a guy. Like yeah. yeah, that's what I love about him is he's not what you expect at the surface. Right. Taylor, could I borrow that blanket that you're on? I'm gonna watch Yes. Um, I was gonna say something, but I forgot. That Zach's a hot, very normal presenting man. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about Zach more. Uh one thing I have been struggling with, because you know, I still I still struggle with my own bias and my own like trying to understand different identities and how people wanna be presented, which is like I'm cool with anyone wanting to present anyway, but I I met this one person who Presents as female, has a female name, and but their pronouns are he and they. And to me, it was like such a, it was like my brain trying to do backflips, like understanding what the identity was. And like, I'll call you whatever you want me to call you. Like, I don't care. But it was like, it, I was like seeing myself being like, how do I like understand this? How do I interact with this person in the world? Like, you know, obviously I'll say they, them, I don't care how you want to be called, but it was very interesting to me to try to like work out someone that presents as female and has a female name go by he or they. And that was like, to me, it's like trying to like put the pieces together of like how to make sense of it, you know? Yeah. And like and I, I understand that that is it. Like that is a bias on my part that I need to get past. That's nothing to like well, wrong with them. Yeah, and that's what I think that like uh, you as one of the most open minded people that I know, like freely admitting that you still have barriers to break down, just shows how many more barriers there mm-hmm. are to break down for people who aren't as open minded as mm-hmm. you, and that there's such a long way to go with mm-hmm. all that stuff. And there yeah, are and like shit of- I don't understand all the time happens. And I, who consider myself pretty like well versed and knowledgeable, mm-hmm. still fuck up people's pronouns sometimes. Yeah, and I think it's all about intentions and showing that you're trying to learn mm-hmm. and like trying to trying to get it right when you fuck up someone's pronouns and then be like mm, whatever it doesn't matter that's when you're being a dick right right yeah. like if you fuck up someone's pronouns okay that happens everybody's probably gonna do it at some point but saying like oh sorry i'll do better next time yeah yeah like cool even if you don't get it right yeah because i fucked it up and i felt terrible and i seriously like didn't sleep for like three days because i felt mm-hmm. so bad about it and then i was like you know what it's the intentions and that I'm trying to be better, and they yeah. know I'm trying to be better. So, like, well, it's yeah. really hard when, honestly, it's really hard when someone is presenting as traditionally female, and they go by a female name, trying to like in your mind, but not associate it with female pronouns. That's really hard, like harder than I thought it would be. It is, yeah, right. It's a so, complex scenario. So, yeah, no, you're- um, <laughs> it, it is very complex, and like I've had, you know, we've all had our own. Mm-hmm. Um, struggles and just like trying so hard to eventually get it right mm-hmm. and I think and I've never come across that per- that situation exactly but 
you know, similar situations. And once you finally do like train yourself, it's kind of like you have to break down a fucking wall that like you were that you've had since birth. And once you finally do break it down, like can associate that, like without having to think about it, call Mm -hmm. someone who is presenting traditionally female with male pronouns opens up such a a new, like bright, shiny world and and, and a really interesting world Mm -hmm. um, to yourself. Like what it means, it helps you evaluate your own relationship and, and with other people, it just makes it easier to continue to go down that path. Like, it's just another hurdle to get over. But yeah. once you do get over it, and you will because you want to, mm-hmm. like, it's going to be super fucking awesome and create a bright new world of tailors who are able to make that connection. Right. And provide a safer place for even more complex scenarios, which right. we want to make that space for. For sure. And I found that just they, them pronouns is super helpful where originally I like didn't really understand that or get it. I was like, well, what does that even mean? They, them, like if you don't feel like anything, but now I find it really useful if people don't necessarily want to be labeled, like I don't want to necessarily be labeled for my sexuality. A lot of people don't want to be labeled for gender, which I totally understand. They, them is a really helpful tool to just say, I don't, like if you go by they, them, that to me is like, yeah, it's like saying, I don't want to be labeled a sexuality, just they, them, which I kind of appreciate when it's like, I can just say they, them, like that to me makes sense. If that well, makes the, sense. Sorry, Julie, go ahead. At the wedding we went to this past weekend, everyone, when they walked in, got um, pronoun pens. Oh, so that was very cute. That's great. That was all I say. I was just going to say what you're sort of describing is almost this pain of cognitive dissonance Mm -hmm. in that conversation, because it's hard to maintain conversations in general Mm -hmm. and like keep track of your own thoughts and not interrupt people and stay on top of what other people are saying and like be a a good active participant in conversation. Trying to do that right now. Exactly. And then trying to do that well, also carefully managing this other person in like a caring way mm-hmm. and not upsetting them or making yourself lose sleep for three days after right. Yeah. right, is so difficult. And our brain works on autopilot so much more than we realize. Mm-hmm. And you've had decades of pattern recognition okay. associating like feminine traits, yeah. her and she and male traits, he and him. You know, so you Literally, don't have to we think assign about gender to fucking inanimate objects that shouldn't have gender. Well, most objects are all women. <laughs> <laughs> so hey. unfortunately true. Yeah. Um, but so like you don't realize just how ingrained that pattern. <gasps> I just got is that in your <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It's kind of funny, kind of I, it's kind of sad. <laughs> Really it's upsetting wit- to me, but it's, <laughs> there's a fine it's witty. line between comedy and just yeah. Like, <laughs> it was witty. Love you, yeah. You. Um, comedy but, but, and tragedy. Yeah. <laughs> it's a two-faced yeah. coin. But so we don't realize just how ingrained those patterns are until we're presented with a new pattern that doesn't fit our box. And it's in a situation where you're facing someone and you're trying to do something else and then also record this new pattern and figure out how to fit it in your existing framework. Yeah. It's literally painful. And at this point in our lives, we don't have to learn that many new things. So we don't experience that like pain of learning anymore. So it's like even more difficult. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's it it is hard to kind of re 
wire your brain to look at the world in a certain way. And like, I feel like maybe a lot of people went through this. I went through this uh, during the pandemic, the first year of the pandemic, when we saw all of the, uh, you know, the police shootings and all of the killings and just realizing our hist our real history. I felt like a fucking idiot. I was like, how did I not see this before? Like I've been so willfully blinded to like the reality of the situation. And I felt it was so painful. Every day was painful like reading and learning and it was such like a weird process of our my brain like realizing that how i saw the world was not how the world really was at all and that is a really painful hard process to go through for anybody and I think a lot of us went through that during the pandemic when we had a lot of extra time on our hands to read and like <laughs> learn about real American history and real world history. And I feel like that happens, you know, as you get older, if you're open to it, you have to you have to be open and willing to learn and change with new generations and how people identify and how people want to be called and seen in the world. Cause we all see things differently. And you, I mean, really, isn't that kind of what it's all about is like trying to love people for who they are and see the world through their eyes as well and try to just accept them. I'm right there with you. <laughs> Despite yes. all of the shit in the world, I do feel very lucky that we live in a place where we can like openly Mm -hmm. express our identities and sexualities mm -hmm. at least somewhat <laughs> there are definitely a, places in the united states where it, it does not feel safe yeah for sure yeah there are definitely places where it's there's it's not safe there's but spaces. here within my friend group in austin texas i mm -hmm. feel very safe and comfortable being who i am and like that in of itself feels very privileged and lucky mm -hmm. in a way and i think that's important for me to recognize as a person like the history of all of the shit that people have gone through to allow us to openly say like who we love. Um, what did we miss? Anything sexuality? Is we there missed anything so much left? <laughs> well, is there anything that someone wanted to say that they didn't get a chance to say on the topic? Let me put it that way. Because obviously, there's a million things we probably missed. <laughs> I don't know. I really liked this book. I thought it was really helpful. Um, in an effort to try and it feels like a starting point, right? It, it's, it's a lot of good information, but it made me just want to learn more. Kind of like what you were saying, you learned all these new words from it. So you like dove into those. So I've kind of been diving into some other podcasts. Will you read us the title? And Oh yeah. Again, this book is a quick and easy guide to queer and trans identities by Maddie G and J.R. Zuckerberg. I don't know if that's any relation. Um, I don't think I'm going to assume not, <laughs> but maybe that's rude. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just it's a great book to get started at. And I just looked up some podcasts specifically. I was looking up asexual resources because I wanted to learn more. And there's some really great stuff out there. Really great stuff. So do a little podcast search. Find some cool information. There's, you know, believe it or not, there are smarter people than you all over the mm -hmm. place, and they are recording themselves right now. I believe it. <laughs> um, I think I actually have one question for uh, the four of you is that in reading this book, was there something new that you learned? And if so, what was that thing? So a big one for me that, like, led to a lot of conversations, two things. The way they broke down 
the helpfulness of labels was not like technically new information, but extremely helpful clarifying information for me. Um, And then the other one was like breaking down between like sexual attraction versus libido versus romantic attraction, which like is still like really hard to try and like funnel in my little brain. For me too, babe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But I really appreciated that about this and it it like led to some really great conversation me and Andy talked about it a lot of just like what does it mean and then you like <laughs> but then you think too hard about it You're like what is sexual attraction wait what is what is anything <laughs> yeah what is anything it's all made up of my life is that <laughs> what does any of this mean <laughs> yeah but I thought it just did a really good job of categorizing things in a helpful way of like if your brain gets really jumbled like mine does it really helps like because it's such a graphic that's, uh, yeah. such a, <laughs> she means snails yeah, Co- comic saying? book yeah graphic style. novel uh, illust- it's heavily illustrated so it's really if you're like me and you're a visual learner um, it's really really helpful it has very whimsical mm-hmm. forest creatures which yeah. I appreciate yeah um, Maggie, did you learn anything new? I learned some new vocabulary, which is, I'm constantly surprised that I don't know all the things already. Constantly I'm growing and changing. Yeah. Um, I learned the word lithiosexual, which is people who desire a sexual relationship with somebody even though they were not sexually attracted to them. Autochorosexual, people who feel sexual attraction, but only in scenarios that don't involve their own participation. And gray asexual, people who generally do not feel sexual attraction, but have a few exceptions or personal limitations. Um, Yeah, I'm very glad you know those terms now, because actually, like, if I am talking with someone who's familiar with asexuality, I will go further to, like, say, oh, I'm gray sexual, which kind of means that, like, for me, it means that you haven't really figured it out yet, but, like, you're somewhere in there and you're still working on it. Mm. I'm very glad that you learned something. Oh. Thanks for the recommendation, babe. Yeah. I appreciate all of the different, um, the different, what am I trying to say? That it doesn't have to be one thing or the other. I appreciate that there's fluidity in all of these terms and identities. And I like that, that things can be gray. Yeah. And I appreciate you coming on to this podcast and talking to it about us. Like I can't overstate how flattered I am to be here right now. But anyway, <laughs> thank you. Uh, Julie? Um, I did also really appreciate having stated my fear of people boxing themselves in with labels. I really appreciate the beginning of the book really saying that like these labels are helpful for someone to self-identify. It's not necessarily for outside of them unless they want to share those outside of them. And then they close the book by talking about how identity changes and evolves and you, you're you not in this sort of fixed state. So I really loved that they, they highlighted that so strongly. And then I did want to mention, Becca, if you're trying to read more about asexuality, a book that I really enjoyed is called The Invisible Orientation. Mm. And it's it gets way down into the nitty gritty, but there is an audiobook version, which I know you love. I require. <laughs> this very suddenly brought a memory into my head where when I was in college, I watched a documentary about asexuality and it was extremely sad. I remember feeling really sad afterwards because it was a romantic asexual who couldn't find a partner. Oh. 
And well, it's obviously not a story about me. No, because it's about me, babe. Um, but yeah, I remember being like, as a queer identifying person, that can be hard sometimes, but an asexual person might struggle in ways that I hadn't ever thought of. Mm-hmm. But anyway, babe, I wanted to say thank you so much for being so open in a um, environment where you're being very like center of attention and... Uh, you nailed it. Love you. You nailed it. Oh, yes. Thank you, babe. Yeah, I had a great time, and it's it's complicated, and I'm still figuring things out. But you know, by by sharing your own experiences, you can help other people find you know their paths and experiences, and and help them figure out their shit too, because this shit's complicated. Yeah. Do we have any other um, resources that we can point people to besides the book and? The other book you recommended. Does anyone have any other resources they like or that they want to share? Um, I would just say go to Pride, go to as many queer events as you can, like mm-hmm. meet as many other people as you can, um, and, and find those communities because the you know books and other kinds of media are helpful, but people to really you know tell you their experiences, their journeys, and and to you know just talk with face to face or you know over the internet, whatever. Um, that's going to be your greatest resource is to have a community behind you. Mm-hmm. Well, I think just from an educational perspective, I have gotten so much out of just following very diverse people on Instagram. And because there are so many people out there that are willing to mm-hmm. share their own life experience in these these ways that like their life experience is so different from mine, but it's really interesting. And some of them are doing really hard work of breaking it down Yeah, so follow people on Instagram who are, you know, different sexuality, different genders. Um, I follow a lot of transgender athletes. That's a super fascinating space because they're sharing not only about, um, you know, their experience and evolution of their own gender, but also what's going on in the sporting space is really difficult for transgender athletes. Um, And they're just putting out some really amazing content that's really thought provoking. follow people of different religions, different nationalities. I just think it's such an amazing tool we have to be able to build empathy for everyone else who's on this rock in the universe with us. Yeah. And for the record, these people are giving you free access to their lives. Like the fact that they're so open about who they are Mm -hmm. uh, and willing to share that with the world is truly incredible. And we get to witness that. Like that's a fucking privilege. (laughs) Yeah, I am. Oh, fucking girlfriend! Nice to meet. <laughs> <laughs> um, Think about how much you, we all paid for tuition for information that uh, did not help us as yeah. much. Oh my yeah, god, it's seriously. true. Like we we're getting free access to people that really should be paid for all the fucking work they're doing. Well, especially, so. we've seen it with all of the black content creators this last yeah. year who were doing so much work trying to help re-educate everyone yeah. about the realities in this country and in the world. In like a emotionally traumatizing yes. stuff that they are willing to like talk about with us mm-hmm. as fucking ignorant white people. Yeah. Like if any if it's anyone's responsibility, it's our own and they're still doing this. They're still, still putting still that effort. It. Like we don't don't fucking deserve it by any means. We don't. We really the don't. least we could do is go seek that out and 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 give it a a look see. Give it a look see. Give it a look see. Give it a look see. Just give it a quick look see. <laughs> don't take it for granted. 
Yeah. Just to uh, thoroughly cite my sources, the podcasts I also listened to this week about sexuality were called A-OK and Sounds Fake But OK. <laughs> I'm <laughs> sensing a theme here in the asexuality community. <laughs> yeah. Um, I particularly, there's one, of, if you look up Sounds Fake But OK, they have one episode that they call their quote unquote TED Talk where they just say, what is asexuality? And it's really, 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 really very helpful. What it's called sounds fake but okay. That's the podcast. Yeah. Do they have Instagram? I don't know. I didn't check. Okay. What like a okay is going to be my new catchphrase in the bedroom. <laughs> sounds fake but a okay. Hmm. One of my. Favorite- <laughs> 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 that doesn't get your blood boiling. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of things she does that I question. <laughs> I was going to shout out one of my favorite Instagram accounts called Plant Queen. Plant and then K W E E N. So their yeah. name is Christopher. He, she, they. A go- he, they're a gardener, and it's a Brooklyn-based Black queer femme queen. And it's they're literally just all the posts are them in like these amazing, like just surrounded by plants. And it's just the most beautiful person I've ever seen. And really fabulous mm. outfits. Sometimes amazing outfits, robes, like. Just fucking love and life. It's a great Instagram. If you just want to be happy for the day, just like go on their Instagram. It just makes you happy. It is pure delight. It's pure delight. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Thanks for listening today, y'all, on this episode with our wonderful guest, Phil. If you would like to share any of your thoughts about sexuality or finance or financial sexuality or anything (laughs) (laughs) another snort (laughs) today or tomorrow (laughs) if at any point in time you want to share any thoughts about anything that you've ever had um, no please visit our Instagram at Vaginance Podcast visit our website Vaginance.com where you can leave a voice memo and you can say hey Vaginance here's some stuff that I'm thinking about and then we might feature that on a podcast and that'd be really cool and if you are listening to this on any sort of streaming service maybe consider just giving a little five star review leaving a little comment and and just talking about whatever you want to talk about we really want to hear that and we want to hear from you I think that's it you motherfucker! <laughs> wow that was a long one did you do that when I was in the bathroom why do you think I asked you for that goddamn blanket I'm hot you bitch. Taylor, for, if, if this makes it into the podcast, Taylor just got iced by Phil. You know, I could just pull a Julie and say no. No, you can't. I'm going to be a little bitch. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I'll take the little bitch badge. A little bitch badge. Just going on the website. And going on the website. going down. It's pretty good flavor. <laughs> At least it's not grape. This not, is actually a great it's not purple. angle, by the way. This is very flattering. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to do that. You choke everywhere. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. <laughs> okay, I gotta see this. <laughs> oh, did you intentionally make it that second? <laughs> 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 I was choked because I started laughing. She's taking it like a champ.